3: It's time for Rush Hour with Danny Burke, presented by Bet Rivers.
4: Happy Friday, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome into another edition of Rush Hour, presented by Bet Rivers. I'm Danny Burke, your host, live out of the Bet Rivers Sportsbook. And tonight, here on v the Sports Betting Network, we're going to be recapping the NBA draft with Mitch Lawrence of Series XM nba radio and mad dog radio he joins us in 10 minutes to give us his two cents on last night's draft there's going to be any immediate impact that could warrant a bet one way or the other rookie of the year just everything surrounding the nba with some of the player markets oh and how could we forget russell westbrook to the los angeles lakers so we'll discuss all that with mitch furthermore then we'll get into some of my best bets for this evening on the diamond we're on a nice little roll here so hopefully we can continue that in baseball tonight now we'll kind of keep doing what we're doing in the nfl looking at some of these betting profiles and specifically tonight we'll look at the afc east between the dolphins and the patriots two teams regarded as being virtually neck and neck with their betting odds we'll see if one has an advantage over the other in terms of any bets that we may like and to round things out scott miller series xm mlb network radio boy do we have plenty to talk about tonight with all of the mayhem on the diamond and look opened up the show by saying happy friday but is it really a happy friday for us folks here in the chicagoland area well if you're a south sider the answer is yes if you're on the north side probably not so much and you may be emotional <laughs> yesterday we said it was a somber day with anthony rizzo departing to the yankees and then the rest of the ship just tanked off then we got chris bryant going to the giants javi Baez to the mets craig kimbrell going to the south side but look you know Obviously, we saw other moves elsewhere, too, but the most notable came from what the Cubs did with some of their core players. So, again, you know, the White Sox now they're bringing on Keg Krimble. They already took Tapera from the Cubs as well yesterday, and they brought on Cesar Hernandez, uh, second baseman from the Indians. who has got 18 homers on the year and a nice OPS as well. So he's been really solid. That'll be a good acquisition. Cubs get Hoyer, the relief pitcher, and Nick Madrigal, who can be a great contact hitter could just really be you know I mean and that's potentially the direction the league's going so it's kind of you know you know the Cubs are going into this rebuild right now you know they're taking the necessary steps is it painful yes was it inevitable also yes you got to rip the band-aid off at some point and the rebuild's going to stink as it did leading up to 2016 I'm not saying it's going to get there and be the same path but it has to happen and again, you know, they're building up the farm system that was depleted for them to have to get these big players in the first place to help win in 2016 and try to after that. So it makes sense, and that's what's going to happen. But again, then Baez and Williams goes to the Mets, and then they get Pete Crow Armstrong, the fifth-best prospect in the Mets farm system, center fielder. So that one actually might be the best addition in terms of prospects. Obviously, you got a couple solid ones for the Yankees as well. Uh, and then from San Francisco. Uh, You get Canario, the number nine San Francisco prospect, and Caleb Killian, the number 30 from the Giants when they dished off Chris Bryant. So that one may sting a little bit more, but nevertheless, it was going to happen, and it did. So as we look at this trade deadline, ranking the top three, at least in my opinion, of the winners, number one's got to be the Chicago White Sox to me. And look, you could say it's a homer pick, whatever, we're here in the Chicagoland area, but the Sox team was already the second best team in the AL, in my opinion. What they were missing was middle relief and a second baseman, and he got the second baseman in Hernandez. He stacked up the relief aside from Hendricks, who's already one of the best closers in baseball. You're bringing Craig Kimbrell and then Tapara uh, from the Cubs. So look, White Sox made the necessary moves. They made the right moves, and to me, they're a great team to bet on as of this point. We'll get into that in just a second. Team number two, the Dodgers, you're getting Scherzer and Trey Turner. Obviously, those are huge additions, but... Uh, To me, this Dodgers team still is in a very tough NL West. And overall, the NL is just deeper than the AL. So that's why I necessarily wouldn't put them number one. And, you know, they had to give away four big prospects as well. So the Dodgers do this time and time again. We'll see if they can get yet another World Series trophy. But two big names there with the Dodgers, naturally. And then two more bigger names with the Yankees. Maybe not bigger, but two big names as well with Joey Gallo and Anthony Rizzo going to the Yankees. Bronx Bombers would be my third team for winning this deadline I'm not saying they made the right moves in the sense that now they're going to make the playoffs but look in terms of the moves they are probably the top three right there White Sox being number one because they address the most important needs as of this point and so did do the Dodgers we get that and look the Yankees are just adding you know another left-handed batting uh, batter a couple of them at that point and look you know the Yankees could be questionable because they're a little bit far out it seems like it could be far-fetched Dodgers and White Sox make a lot more sense but again the White Sox could be a very viable betting option now with those additions to the relief and also in the infield as well. And magical giving him up. Not ideal, but you had to do what you had to do in order to get Craig Kimbrell. Once again, welcome into the show. It is Rush Hour presented by Bet Rivers. I'm Danny Burke, your host, live out of the Bet Rivers Sportsbook here on a Friday evening. Just recapping all the madness with the Major League Baseball trade deadline tonight. And was just going over my top three trade deadline winners. The White Sox were number one. Dodgers number two, and then the New York Yankees come in at number three. So then that leads to asking the question, well, which team really altered your mind in terms of who maybe would be the team you would bet on? And I tweeted it out a little bit earlier, but I took a small piece on the White Sox, three to one to win the AL. That was the best price out the state of Illinois as of now. And to me, it's only going to move down. It was a bet more so on the fact that that price is going to move down. And again, you know, to me, it's a two-man race in the American League. I know you can obviously make the argument For a few other squads like the Tampa Bay Rays, the Boston Red Sox, the Athletics. But again, I think it's the Astros White Sox who are the clear front runners. And the White Sox already had a better bullpen ERA uh, than this Astros team. Or, you know, somewhat close at least. And now they're far-fetched the better bullpen. Probably one of, if not the best in baseball with the addition of Kimbrel next to Hendricks. Then you're getting to Para as well. This White Sox team with Kopech also there is going to have a dominant bullpen. They can win these one-run games, two-run games, the close games. That Not that they blew them a lot in the past, but to really give you that sense of comfort and to trust your guys. And let's not forget, they're still waiting to get fully healthy, which is another thing that we're forgetting about from this White Sox team. Currently, their odds are plus 250 to win the pennant plus 550 to win the World Series. Again, I snagged a 3-1 to one because I think that price is going to move and because the better bullpen over the Astros like taking the better value with the White Sox. So I think that, if anything, really altered the thought process And if you're going to bet a team, maybe look for the White Sox. They made those moves that they needed with Hernandez, two in the infield. Great acquisition there. And they're getting healthy. They have an easier division. They don't have to be stressing out and going all out to the end because they're going to dominate the AL Central. So they'll be comfortable and healthier going into the postseason, like the White Sox, to win the AL pennant after the moves they made. And then talking about a team that maybe didn't change my perspective as much, but it'd just be a good betting opportunity in the sense that if you can find it, maybe a fade this team. Uh, how about the New York Yankees? They're 10-1 to to win the division. 10-1 to 1 to win the AL pennant and 21-1 to 1 to win the World Series. Now, in terms of fading them, if you have the yes-no to make the playoffs then you know, if you can get a decent price on the no, all the hype around the Yankees, that's what it is at all times, right? I mean, it's just one of the best franchises in sports. And now after getting all these big names, the public's probably going to want to bet them regardless. It's not that that's going to move the line immensely, but it's going to be set differently. So look to fade this Yankees team eight and a half games out the first in the East, and obviously still a trek to get to the wild card spot as well. So maybe don't rush to bet on the Yankees per se in the long term. Look to go the other way. You could probably get a better price now that they've made the bigger moves. And it's not that it's not going to help them out with Gallo and Rizzo being acquired, but at the same time, I don't think it's enough to really overlook all their problems and be able to take a hold of this strong ALE. So maybe a no-go on the Yankees for the playoffs, what a lot of people are thinking. But more importantly, take this White Sox team for real. And I'm sure most people did even before this, but they are making the right moves to say, hey, we have the shot to win the World Series this year. Let's do what we got to do to get the right pieces. And they certainly did that. So buy into the hype. And if you could still get a decent value with them, like I did three to one, the best number, at least in Illinois that I saw, go ahead and take that because it's only going to move down and down as we get closer to the postseason. All right, that kind of wraps up all the mayhem in my two cents, I guess, for the MLB trade deadline. Scott Miller will be joining us at the end of the show to give us his analysis and a look at tonight's MLB slate further along in the program. But, you know, it was funny because it correlated with all the big moves in Major League Baseball to so also with the NBA. We had the draft last night. We had some big moves in terms of Westbrook going to the West Coast. And to give us more insight on that, let's bring on Mitch Lawrence at Mitch underscore Lawrence on Twitter host of Sirius XM NBA radio and does his part on Mad Dog Radio as well. Mitch, we appreciate your time. Thank you for coming on as always. So, you know, in summation, just looking at the broad scheme of things, uh, what was your take on last night's draft? Who made the biggest splash and who could really have the most immediate impact right away?
2: Well, you know, so many guys that were drafted you just don't know about because they're so young. But, you know, you go to the top of the draft. Cade Cunningham, Jalen Green. Those are the guys who should have big impact. And maybe Mobley at uh, three to Cleveland. And then, you know, you look at Jalen Suggs. And I still can't believe Toronto took Scott Barnes, Scotty Barnes, who really has, you know, he can't shoot, took him over. Jalen Suggs. They may need Jalen Suggs because they may not have Kyle Lowry once free agency starts. So, I'll, not just me, but a lot of people around the league were mystified because Jalen Suggs had such a tremendous first, you know, and only season, uh, Danny, over in uh, for for Gonzaga, and uh, I think Orlando got really a tremendous uh, pick. Uh, nobody, nobody thought Toronto would pass them up to take Scotty Barnes, but they did. So. Uh, You know, the teams at the top are the teams that usually get the best players, sometimes not always. But Cade Cunningham and uh, Jalen Green look like two future stars.
4: Is there anybody else kind of furthermore down the list that you think could be kind of a steal of the draft, whether it was past the top ten picks, maybe even into the early second round? Anybody that you think could be a guy we're talking about in the middle of the season saying, wow, that was a steal?
2: Well, not just me, but a lot of people like the Butler pick. The Baylor kid who went to Utah at 40 who see him as, you know, he had a medical condition, a heart deal, which he'd been cleared for. Uh, but a lot of people liked how, you know, Utah grabbed him at 40. He's a guy who now they'll, they're going to have to re-sign Mike Conley Jr. because look at their roster, they did not have any point guards. But Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley Jr., Ed Butler to that mix, that is a quality pick for a second-round pick. And, you know, what we've seen is second-round picks can become stars. Look at uh, – Chris Middleton, what he did for Milwaukee. Um, so yeah, I, I my eyes went immediately to him, uh, and uh, that's a great pick at 40.
4: All right, then Mitch. Obviously, we're so far out to even really consider this, but it's still fun since the draft just concluded, and you know we get a general idea of how these guys could make an impact with their respective teams. So the Rookie of the Year odds: Cade Cunningham, the first overall pick. He's the short shot to win the award at two to one. Jalen Green is three to one. Mobley plus 575. Suggs 6-1, Barnes 7-1, the list goes on and on. You know, again, it's so far out, but I, who do you think you'd maybe put your money on at this point, whether it's for just trusting a guy right away or from pure value?
2: Well, I'm going to go back to the top two. Now, now Suggs is going to get a lot of playing time, you'd think, in Orlando. He should, he should jump right in there. But, um, you know, Cunningham uh, in Detroit is going to see a tremendous amount of time on the floor for Dwayne Casey. And he's a guy who's going to make guys better, a lot of people think. And he's going to be able to score. And then, you know, Jalen Green, people can think he can walk in and get you 20, 25 points a night. And those are, you know, a lot of times the guys we're looking for uh, from rookie of the year. Anybody else going to jump up? You know, that remains to be seen. But those are the three guys I'm looking at. And maybe Mobley. You know, there are people who think, actually, Danny, that Mobley, when all is said and done, he might be the best player in this draft. He's got size. He's got a lot of skills. Uh, He's one of the big men who can step out. His body needs a lot of work. He needs to get bigger. So anybody in those top five, uh, except for Barnes. I I just don't know what Barnes is going to do for Toronto now. The interesting thing is if they move Siakam, that's one of the reasons they took Barnes. And Siakam has had problems with Nick Nurse. He's not a Nick Nurse type player. Don't be surprised if Siakam's on his way out. And then that Barnes pick to me would make more sense.
4: All right, Mitch, so obviously we saw a lot of big moves throughout the draft last night, but the biggest going with players already established in the league, Russell Westbrook making his way out to the West Coast in his hometown. Going to be playing for the Lakers alongside LeBron James and Anthony Davis. What did you make of this trade and how do you think they're going to mesh together?
2: (laughs) I'm I'm still kind of wondering about it like a lot of people. Look, it's great for Russell Westbrook to go back to Los Angeles and go home. It might be better for him than for the Lakers. What do the Lakers need? They need shooters. They need guys who can knock down shots from the perimeter. They need at least two of those guys now because Westbrook, you know, he's not a good shooter. And so, you know, teams are going to play off him. Uh, We've seen in the past, look, he had some great moments from Washington. Don't get me wrong, but can it work together in the regular season? Yeah, he's going to provide a lot of – look, look, he'll be there when LeBron needs breaks. You put Russell Westbrook and he'll control the game on the floor with Anthony Davis. But in the playoffs when scoring is at a premium – What's going to happen? He has problems scoring in the playoffs. Uh, They're going to have problems unless, you know, Rob Polanket can pick up some shooters here. And they left, you know, this trade, they gave up uh, their best uh, three-point shooters from last year. You know, KCP, guys like that, uh, Kyle Kuzma. uh, So that's a problem for the Lakers. I mean, they have a lot of work to do on that roster because Westbrook does not address the needs that LeBron needs. He needs guys who can stretch the floor and shoot the ball.
4: Is it going to surprise, I mean, you know, as of this point when you're just looking at the Lakers, you're right, they need more shooters and now it's like two ball dominant guys who you're bringing on to the team, but are we getting to a point in maybe LeBron's career where he can take that step back and let someone who has so much energy like Westbrook kind of command the floor, or do you think it's going to take them a little while to get adjusted to that?
2: Well, the thing that you saw last year about LeBron, if, and if you watched him closely—more scouts did than I did in terms of watching him closely—was there were points of games where he couldn't do things that he had been able to do in the past, and physically it just wasn't there. Not to say he's washed up by any stretch, but he's diminished a little bit. And you got to remember too, uh, last year he was for the first time in his career he was in the wrong place at the wrong time on the court and got clipped. Uh, by Solomon Hill of the Hawks and ended up with a severe ankle injury. And so two of the last three years, he's had injury problems. So, yeah, I think there's enough room on the court and there'll be enough, you know, you're going to be able to get Russell Westbrook and you're going to be able to figure out who needs to get the ball and when, and who needs to control the game. But that's not the answer. The answer for LeBron has got to be, like I said, perimeter shooters who can knock down threes and open things up for LeBron and Anthony Davis inside.
4: Yeah, no doubt about that. Should be
2: fun to see what happens out in La
4: La Land but Russell Westbrook going to the Lakers and currently their betting profile obviously to win the finals one of the shorter shots at four to one to win the Western Conference plus one fifty minus twenty-five hundred to make the playoffs this upcoming season. All right, Mitch, looking on to some other star players. How about out in Tokyo? It's been a little bit tough stretch for this USA squad. Their odds to win gold have now come to minus 240 on the yes. The no is plus 170 to win any medal. The yes is minus 1,000. No is 5 to 1. What do you make of this USA team? Is it just, you know, they have to go through these rough kind of kinks and they'll figure it out? Or really, is it maybe just a tough adjustment in a different environment for these guys?
2: Roster problems, you know, they don't have enough shooters. Uh, they have to adapt to the, uh, the international game. You know, in the NBA, so, the offense is, is uh, the, the referees call touch fouls all the time. doesn't happen here. It's a tougher, more physical brand of basketball. So guys aren't going to get sent to the line. Um, you know, plus, you know, they're playing some teams that have NBA quality talent, as you saw in the, when they lost to France. You know, they're going up against guys they see all the time. But, you know, uh, has Greg Popovich done a good job? No, he probably, you probably need to have a coach who's more of a full-time guy in that position than a guy who really devotes more of his time to the NBA than to the Olympics. Um, we've seen that, but it all goes back to also, uh, you know, do they have the right type of chemistry in terms of, do they have the right players on the team? Other than, you know, Kevin Durant and Damian Lillard and guys like that, to me, they don't have enough big players. They don't have enough scores. Uh, guys like that so that, that comes back to who they select and who's not available and who is look if, if they had all the top players in the NBA they wouldn't lose but they don't and so that's a problem
4: now is there a squad aside for them that you would have enough faith to put some money on I mean France you're getting at 7-1 to one. Slovenia also 7-1 to one. Australia who seems to have been a hot pick aside from USA they are 8-1 to one, and then Spain is 9-1 to one. any country you pick there
2: yeah, I pick Slovenia cuz they got the best player. I mean, Kevin Durant's the best basketball player probably here and the most gifted player, but how about Luka Doncic? Is he doing anything wrong over there? I mean, that's a team. I don't even know who the rest of their team has. All I know is they have Luka Doncic. That's the guy who I'd say, yeah, they've got the ability to win a big time medal uh, for Slovenia. And you know, any team with that's chalked it's basically Slovenia. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm not even going to pick another team at this point.
4: <laughs> hey, anything that has Lucas, sometimes that's all you need. So 7-1 to for Slovenia is what you can get for them to yeah. win gold. Again, USA minus 240 if you're willing to lay it. But aside from them, Slovenia could be a viable option, as Mitch is alluding to with them at 7-1. And then Mitch, we got a couple minutes left here. Before we let you go, we got to ask you about Damian Lillard. His odds have altered a little bit, but for him to remain a blazer, still the favorite, minus 360. For him to go to South Beach with the heat is 6-1. to Knicks also 6-1, to one, then the 76ers 8-1. to Do you got to read on what's going to happen with Dame this upcoming season?
2: Don't really have a big uh, idea. It wouldn't surprise me if they did move him, but he has to tell them he wants out. Uh, Philadelphia definitely wants him. There's no question about that. They've got, to me, the best package they could offer, better than the Knicks, better than Miami, because you could offer Ben Simmons in a big package. And You know how Darryl Morey is. He doesn't want Ben Simmons on his roster because the guy doesn't really want to try to dunk the ball, let alone shoot from the outside. And Lillard would be the type of guy that they need because they've never had, since Jimmy Butler left, a guy who can, you know, get scoring for them, uh, get something out of nothing, create on his own, get a big shot late in a shot clock. Or a, uh, or a game clock. So I would I would tend to favor Daryl Morey here he came up short for James Harden he's still looking but you know it depends on what Portland's going to do and what Dame, and what, what Lillard himself wants. He wants to get out of there I think on his own terms to make him look good with the fans but uh, so far we haven't really heard that he's he's, he's demanded out. Yeah,
4: more NBA drama upon us. We'll see what happens throughout it all. But already one big move with Westbrook. I'm sure there's many more to come. And, Mitch, we appreciate you helping us kind of decipher it all through this offseason. And take care and, uh, you know, enjoy these summer months. And we'll be back ramped up to get ready for the upcoming season, my friend.
2: We've got free agency right around the corner. Thanks for having me on, Danny. See you around. Yes,
4: sir. Mitch Lawrence, ladies and gentlemen, at Mitch underscore Lawrence on Twitter. And also you can catch him hosting series XM NBA Radio and Mad Dog Radio. Of course, you know, he knows the NBA like the back of his hand. And, again, even though it is the offseason, still very exciting to look at some of these odds and how they may shift throughout the offseason. And as the old adage goes, sometimes the offseason is more exciting than the regular season itself. And my producer, Jacob Roach, is going to be clenching his fists at that one. die Diehard NBA fan. But, look, still fun to look at it, especially with the Olympics going on right now. Again, USA minus 240 to win gold. But Mitch says if you're looking for another squad, check out Slovenia at 7-1 to claim the gold medal all right well coming up next let's go to the diamond i know we had a crazy day we opened up the show with it all the mayhem with the cubs players departing, a little bit somber here in the chicagoland area but nevertheless we got a couple bets that we're going to unveil on a nice little streak here hoping to keep it going so stick around a couple bets coming tonight in baseball and then some nfl action here on rush hour
5: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
4: Get the most out of all odds with BetRivers. Rivers daily hometown discounts on boosts on all of your favorite teams only at your hometown sportsbook and to make your experience even more rewarding, BetRivers offers the most live streams of major sports, instant payouts and only one time playthrough. Offer valid in Illinois only, must be 21 or older, gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide voluntary self-exclusion program. Daily hometown discounts, remember check them all out, BetRivers.com all righty, back at it here. It is rush hour on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. I'm Danny Burke, your host at Danny Burke Fives, or you can follow me along on Twitter at VSIN Live for the Vegas Stats and Information Network. Still to come, we'll do a betting profile in the AFC East between the Patriots and the Dolphins, and then we'll round things out with some more baseball discussion of all the craziness today with Scott Miller, Series XM MLB Radio. Well, let's kind of bring it back to Major League Baseball and talk about one game tonight in particular that. Got a couple different angles to look at, and that involves the Los Angeles Angels and the Oakland Athletics. We got a nice couple dubs last night out of the A's money line, and then Frankie Montas over five and a half K's. Looking at a little different perspective tonight, but let's just kind of tee this one up. Uh, The A's are minus 117 on the money line currently. Angels plus 102. This total opened eight and a half is dipped down to eight. Now, some of the money has been going toward the Angels on the money line. They open plus 115. Again, we're seeing them at about even money, plus 102 right around that area. Again, the A's got the job done last night, 4-0. They're bringing out Chris Bassett for Oakland tonight, who's 10-3 on the season, 3.46 ERA, and a 3.96 XBIP. So not too bad overall for the right-hander. He's also got a 1.06 whip. The southpaw, Patrick Sandoval on the other side. He is 3-4 with a 3.52 ERA and a 3.47 XFIP, so very solid, lower than his ERA, and a whip of 1.10. Now Bassett has faced the Angels twice this season, and he's had one complete game against him. So he's 2-0 overall, he's gone 16.2 innings pitched, allowed 7 hits, 2 earned runs, and 17 strikeouts. Remember, one complete game. Uh, batting average for the Angels against Bassett this year, just .123. So very solid numbers from Chris Bassett. Sandoval versus Oakland. The Angels are 0-2 in those games where he started. He's gone 10 innings pitched, allowed 9 hits and just 2 earned runs and 7 Ks, but opponent batting average of two fifty-seven. So look, Sandoval hasn't been bad. It's just the Angels haven't gotten the job done when he's pitched. Now the A's against lefties this season, 721 OPS. And against righties are 7.12, so they've slightly regressed, but they used to be a lot better against lefties toward the beginning of the season. Uh, A's hit a lot better on the road, though 7.35 compared to 6.95 at home. More importantly, though, the Angels 7.42 OPS against righties; they hit better against lefties, though 7.76 OPS. Angels also do a lot better at home OPS-wise, 8.10 compared to 6.93. You look at their bullpens, the Angels have certainly had their struggles. 4.82 bullpen ERA. Oakland has a 3.81 bullpen ERA. But just kind of looking at these numbers, I mean, again, Sandoval, you know, he's been fine against Oakland. It's just the Angels haven't gotten the job done. He's only allowed two earned runs and two starts against Oakland. Bassett has allowed two earned runs as well, and one of them was a complete game. So, again, you saw this total open at 8.5. It's dipped to eight. But for the reason that I just kind of stated with the Angels and their bullpen issues that, you know, kind of screwed us on a game last week where they blew it after having a four-run lead, I've got to look at the first five angle for this, and more importantly, with the total. And four and a half, you can still get widely available at a lot of books, including Bat Rivers. You just got to lay a little bit. But I found a minus 120, and I played under four and a half for the first five between the Angels and the A's. The first five under has hit both times they face each other, and their are two starts against each respective team. This has been the same matchup, and the first five under is hit in both of those. So look for the same to happen tonight for the fact that we have the hook. Even though it pay a little bit of a price, I'm playing first five under 4.5 at minus 120 for Bassett going against Sandoval. Now, even more so with that, uh, sticking on Sandoval, take a look at his strikeouts prop. Seven and a half is the number widely posted, and you do have to lay a little bit of a price here, but I did under seven and a half strikeouts with Sandoval, laid minus a buck, 50. He has stayed under this mark in his last three out of five games, but in this whole season, he's stayed under it in 10 out of 14 starts. In two matchups against Oakland, he got three strikeouts the first matchup, Four strikeouts the next, not even close to this prop mark. So you do got to lay a little bit, but I think that's the right play. So Sandoval under seven and a half Ks, and then look at the first five under four and a half. And if you missed it at the beginning of the show, a little dabble on the Chicago White Sox at three to one to win the AL pennant. That's all I got in baseball tonight. If you're looking for a little bit more of a lean, maybe you could flirt with Bass at over five and a half Ks. He's gone over that in the first two starts against the Angels. More importantly, looking to fade Sandoval in under on his. All righty, best of luck, as always, if you tell. We'll revisit baseball at the end of the show, but coming up next, we're doing a betting profile. Stick around. Football betting guides are coming soon, and there is no better way to prepare for the college and pro football seasons. Our experts provide profiles of every team with advanced stats and power ratings. Plus, we got the best bets on season win totals, division finishes, and player awards. And each guide is only 20 bucks, and discounts are available when you buy both. So now is the perfect time to reserve your copy or sign up for Visa and All Access and get everything we offer for the entire football season. Sign up now at VSIN.com slash subscribe. It is VCN the Sports Betting Network. Welcome back to Rush Hour. I'm Danny Burke, your host, broadcasting live out of the Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Here to talk some NFL action with you. Like we've kind of had this trend the past, I don't know, couple weeks or so. Use this time to look at some unique betting angles for some NFL and college football teams and more importantly, we've been doing some betting profiles, and sometimes it's kind of a head-to-head matchup with a betting profile. Some teams that could be seen seen as like similar in neck and neck. We did it uh, with the Cowboys and the Washington football team. couple that stood out to me is in the AFC East with the Patriots and the Dolphins. So let's go ahead and dive into both of these respective teams, and let's start with the Miami Dolphins, who have a win total of 9, shaded to the over, minus 143. The under we're seeing at plus 118. Now, furthermore, if you look at their division finishing position, of course, first to win the division, 3-1, uh, to one, second, plus 195, third, the short shot, plus 170, then fourth, you're getting at about plus 550 for Miami. The yes to make the playoffs is plus 130. The no to miss is the favorite, minus 159. If we look at what they did in their draft. They had a pretty solid draft. If, I would just give my two cents on it. I mean, you're snagging Jalen Waddle. You needed help with the receivers. You're helping a great defense already. Getting Jalen Phillips out of UCLA. You're getting Holland, the safety, and Eichenberg, the offensive tackle, out of Notre Dame to kind of just look at the top picks that they had in this upcoming draft. Now, looking at the roster kind of all together, obviously we have Tua Tungavailoa, the starting quarterback. If he fails to meet, to meet the qualifications, you got Jacoby Brissett as the backup. Receivers, aside from Waddle, you got Devontae Parker and Will Fuller. And Jusecki is a tight end who looked to be somewhat promising this past season. So uh, they've kind of addressed those needs in terms of the receiving. Running back, Miles Gaskin needs to have a big year. Malcolm Brown in his backup is his backup. So, again, it revolves around the offensive line and what can we expect out of Tua. Now, if we look at what they did this past season in terms of DVOA, with the defense this past year, overall they were 11th. Against the pass, they were 6th, very solid. But against the run is where they struggled, 22nd. Offensively in DVOA, overall they were 18th, 18th against the pass, and run 23rd. So yes, aside from defending the run, overall everything on offense needs help fixing. So hopefully some of these added pieces can help in that category, and you get a full year out of Tuatunga Vailoa, who's more experienced, more comfortable, and can kind of come into his own. But like we typically do, let's separate their season into the winnable, losable, and toss-up games based on their schedule. To me, for the winnable games for Miami, now these aren't the games that I'm saying they're for sure going to win, but where they have the best opportunity to do so, week three at Las Vegas, week six versus Jacksonville. Now that is the London game, so keep that in mind. And what's tough but should be a winnable game still is right after that London game versus Jacksonville, They get Atlanta, it's at home, but it's the post-London game, so that's always kind of a wonky area. But Week 9, then they get Houston at home, Week 11 on the road against the Jets, Week 12 versus Carolina, Week 13 versus the G-Men, Week 15 versus the Jets, and Week 18 versus New England, if we can assume, then maybe they split with the Patriots. Now, how about the losable games? Week 2 versus Buffalo, Week 5 at Tampa Bay against the defending Super Bowl champs, Week 8 at Buffalo, the Bills may be just that good where they could win both. Week 10 versus the Ravens. Week 16 at New Orleans, where we're presuming that Michael Thomas will be back in the mix by then. Then week 17 at Tennessee. Only a couple of toss-up games. Week 1 at New England. And then week 4 versus the Colts. Specifically was a toss-up game before the news of Carson Wentz with the foot injury out indefinitely. A huge blow potentially to the Colts. Maybe not out for the whole year, but certainly Indianapolis needs to shop around. I mean, they got Jacob Eason and Sam Ellinger as their backups Rumors circulating about Nick Foles, maybe Marcus Mariota making his way down there. But it's going to be interesting to see what happens in Indianapolis. Great roster all around with this Colts team. But the point being is that Miami gets them early on here in week four. That probably turns a little bit more so from a toss up game to a winnable game in my category. But nevertheless, when I kind of just look at this overall with Miami, to me, I see them right at nine. I think nine being the number is appropriately set. And I would lean toward them having a better chance to get to 10 than I would 8, especially with the news of the Colts. The thing is, you can kind of assume that they probably split with New England if you're being safe. I think they can beat the Jets twice. And it wouldn't surprise me if they lose to the Bills twice. If you can split with the Bills, then to me it's definitely going over the total of 9. So nothing that has enough conviction for me to want to bet it but would do the over, if anything, but don't want to lay that price minus 143. I'll get to a different angle in just a second because that kind of correlates with the Patriots then. As we look at New England's win total, nine is where the numbers set. The over is the bigger favorite, minus 150. The under is a slight dog, plus 123. Division finishing position up in Foxborough for the Patriots to come in first, plus 325. Second is 2-1. Third is plus 165, and fourth is 5-1. to one. Now, it's interesting because the Dolphins have shorter odds to finish first and second in the in the division, but they both have their win total set at 9. It's skewed more to the over in favor of New England. Along with their odds to make the playoffs, the yes is shorter than compared to Miami. To make the playoffs for the Patriots, it's plus 125 for the yes, it's plus 130 for the Dolphins. The no is minus 152 for New England. Draft recap, basically, aside from Mac Jones, they invested in their defense, and rightfully so, they needed to. Uh, They ranked 26th overall in DVOA defense this past season, 18th against the pass, dead last against the run in DVOA run defense, 32nd offense, 23rd overall, 27th in the pass, run game, 8th. So the run game wasn't bad, but obviously you need a big step forward from Cam Newton. If you look at kind of some of their winnable games, week 2 against the Jets, on the road against houston first dallas first the jets again at carolina and then week 17 at jacksonville now we could go through the losable games but we're kind of running out of time but the thing about the patriots here they have a lot more toss-up games week one versus miami week three versus the saints probably an advantage to new england because no michael thomas week eight at los angeles week 11 at atlanta and then week 12 versus the titans Again, it seems stupid to say it because it's just easy, but you know, I see this team right at nine as well. Nine and eight could be a foreseeable record for me. But instead of what I said about Miami, I could see them slipping a little bit more to eight, than I could see them getting to 10, and that's based on quarterback play. What are you going to get out of Cam Newton? They also have a lot more toss-up games, so that could be favorable. But again, I'm just not there fully with this offense. But they did invest in John U. Smith and Hunter Henry. That's going to be viable, but the defensive advantage goes to Miami. I like the process. They're kind of unveiling a little bit more, so... If I was going to bet anything between these two teams, I think your best angle is to bet the Dolphins to finish second in the division at plus 195. So it's going to be a fun one out in the AFC East and close. be exciting to see what happens next. All right, let's talk baseball here on Rush Hour as we round things out with Scott Miller. Stick around. the most out of all odds with Bett Rivers. Daily hometown discounts on boosts on all of your favorite teams. Only at your hometown sportsbook and to make your experience even more rewarding, Bett Rivers offers the most live streams of major sports, instant payouts, and only one-time playthrough. Offer valid in Illinois only. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide voluntary self-exclusion program. Daily hometown discounts. You can check them all out. BetRivers.com. All right, we are live here in Displains, Illinois at the Rivers Casino, specifically out of the Bet Rivers Sportsbook. And the show is Rush Hour. I'm Danny Burke, your host. And it's been quite the crazy day here, specifically in the Chicagoland area, as has it been out in the West Coast. Scott Miller could tell us more about that. He does fantastic work when it comes to covering Major League Baseball for Sirius XM MLB Network Radio, Valley Sports. He's an analyst as well with San Diego as a contributor. So sure. He has been just going nuts with everything happening out in the NL West. And Scott, we appreciate you squeezing us in again. I'm sure you've had a crazy day, but you know, starting out in the NL West, certainly we saw big moves with the Dodgers, acquiring Trey Turner, Max Scherzer, the giants, you know, they're investing in Chris Bryant and then the Padres made some moves here and there as well. I guess, you know, Speaking of the Padres, I mean, they're plus 559 to win the division. They have enough talent all around. Are you kind of surprised they didn't make, you know, maybe a couple more bigger moves, or do you think that they made the right decisions and not thrown away too much for some of these bigger-name guys?
6: You know, I thought they needed to get some more pitching. Uh, A couple things. Uh, Danny, first, nice to be with you. Uh, Max Scherzer yesterday, that was overblown early. The Padres were never as close to getting Max Scherzer as it was portrayed Uh, early yesterday afternoon. Um, They were in on him. They tried to get Max Scherzer, but they weren't close. As things turn out, they didn't end up getting close to any pitcher. You know, Jose Barrios went to uh, Toronto. Um, I thought the Padres needed to help there to get some arms. I mean, I thought they did well last week when they added Adam Frazier from the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, You know, Frazier led the major leagues in hits at the time on base percentages up there. But, you know, pitching-wise, the Padres, you know, they did so well last winter in trading for you Darvish and Joe Musgrove and Blake Snell, but you know, Snell has not been good all year. Musgrove, after that early no hitter, has just been so so. The the key with the Padres is their rotation, their starting pitchers, so far they've had forty-seven games this year in which they have not lasted through five innings. So that has increased the workload on the bullpen. Their 434 bullpen innings is the second highest in the majors. Second, only Tampa Bay's got two-thirds of an inning more. Um, the Padres' bullpen is going to be tired eventually. They get Matt Strom back, but, you know, if the, the, the whole key, I think, in San Diego is the starters need to start going deeper in games. And, you know, now that the deadline's passed and they didn't add any arms to help themselves out, uh, you know, they, they, they're going to dance with who brung them.
4: Yeah, so that's interesting you point that out. I mean, I guess at the same time, people don't realize, you know, they're so star-studded. Maybe we're just used to it at this point, but they made those necessary moves in the offseason. But I guess at this point, it hasn't panned out as much as we expected it to. Now, that's not to say it can't flip around, especially come postseason. But you're right, that takes a toll and puts some tax on the bullpen and the whole relief system. So with the Padres, could be a little troubling, but enough talent there to maybe turn things around. And then you look at a team like the Dodgers, who certainly invested in their pitching, getting Max Scherzer, helping getting Trey Turner as well. That's going to help out with the infield and just batting overall. The Dodgers are still the favorite to win the division, minus 205. The Giants are plus 215, who, again, we mentioned invested in Chris Bryant. They have a three-game lead over Los Angeles, and San Francisco has a great starting rotation themselves, Who do you, or I guess whose moves did you think is going to benefit one or the other more so between the Giants and the Dodgers? And if you have to pick now, who's
6: going to win the division? Well, I mean, the the Dodgers trade, acquiring Max Scherzer and Trey Turner, that was a statement trade. That was a bold sledgehammer down in the division race. I've always thought the Dodgers are going to win the division. I still think they will. Um, You know, I thought even before this trade, but this, you know, adding Scherzer and Turner is really going to help. I mean, part of the reason the Dodgers are trailing the Giants, and this is no disrespect to the Giants because San Francisco has been really good all year, but the Dodgers, they have not been the Dodgers this year. They, Cody Bellinger, former MVP, uh, you know, followed the ball off his legs second game of the season. He's missed much of the year with he, early in the year. He had a hairline fracture in, in his in his shin, and then he's come back and he's not looked good at all. He can only get better. Uh, Mookie Betts on the injured list right now. Uh, Corey Seager, shortstop, will be activated for tonight's game in Arizona, but he has a, he'll he play tonight for the first time in, like, almost three months because of that broken hand. Um, so they've been without Bellinger, without Seager. They've been without Mookie Betts. Um, you know, Trevor Bauer, the, the, the disgusting uh, situation he's in. Uh, I doubt we're going to see Trevor Bauer the rest of the year. So Scherzer is going to slide in there, and they'll have Scherzer. They'll have Walker Bueller, and they'll have uh, Clayton Kershaw and Julio Urias. And then once these other guys mix in Trey Turner, once once uh, you know Mookie Betts gets healthy, I think the Dodgers are still the team to beat. But, hey, the Giants have played really well, and I really like that acquisition of Chris Bryant today right before the deadline. They beat the deadline by about five minutes on that. And, uh, you know, the Giants aren't going to go down easy. If the Dodgers aren't going to win the division, they're going to have to take it from the Giants.
4: Yeah, that's for sure. And, again, I mean, we're all a little shocked at how well the Giants have performed. But now that we see them, we're pretty comfortable with saying, yeah, they're one of the top teams in the league. And you're right, it's going to be even closer in the postseason if these two teams square off. You're right, the Dodgers are going to have to make some even more moves and get healthier and get on a nice rhythm there. But, The NL West is going to be crazy and fun at the same time. So we'll be sure to keep an eye on that as we get closer to the end of the season, Scott. And then also, you know, here in the Midwest, we had a tough day with uh, the Cubs departing with various players from that core roster back in 2016. Now, one of those players being Javier Baez going to the Mets to team up with Lindor and company. New York Mets minus 250 to win the NL East. They're plus 525 to come out of the National League. How big of a move do you think this is for the Mets? And do you think that's enough to maybe warrant them to have a deep run this postseason?
6: I I would say yes. And then about an hour or two after trade deadline, the Mets revealed that Jacob deGrom's uh, flexor tendonitis in his forearm is still swollen. He's still got some swelling there. And they're not expecting him back now. He's going to shut down for two weeks. We probably aren't going to see Jacob deGrom until September. Um, I like what the Mets did today. Javi Baez, I think he's going to energize that team. I think Baez is going to he, hes going to love playing in the New York spotlight. I think he's going to energize Francisco Lindor. I think Lindor and Baez are going to are going to pair together and make each other better. Um, you know, and I like that they acquired Rich Hill oh, about ten days ago. But um, Jacob deGrom, man, if—if—if if, if he this injury is worrisome and he hasn't pitched in a little while now. And like I say, probably not until September. If he doesn't, uh, you know, if we don't see much of him this year, uh, the Mets are going to have a lot more difficulty than they would with DeGrom. And I think that that could open the door to somebody like Atlanta or Philadelphia sneaking in. If not, you know, maybe the Mets still win the division, but if they don't have a a Jacob DeGrom that we know in the playoffs, you know, that then, yeah, you know, it diminishes them in October.
4: All right, Scott, and then another team the Cubs got involved with a couple of times. What about the White Sox? Acquiring Craig Kimbrell, Brian Tapera the other day, and then Hernandez from the Indians. Are the moves that the White Sox made enough to warrant you to have confidence of them coming out of the American league over Houston?
6: Yeah, they, they are. And, they, you know, they're getting healthy. Eloy Jimenez coming back. Uh, yeah, that's it, a dangerous team. It's a it's a really good team. Lance Lynn and the rotation has been nails this year. You know, Kimbrell with Liam Hendricks at the back end of the bullpen is, is going to be really good. kimbrel has been uh, – he, 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 this is as good as he's looked in the last three or four years. So, uh, you know, there's a lot to like about the White Sox, no doubt about it.
4: And then finally, before we let you go, I want to ask you one game here. we got about 90 seconds left. The biggest one of the night. How about the Giants and the Astros tonight, Scott? Uh, Any thoughts on this matchup? Obviously, the Giants are looking forward to big moves. But as for tonight, they're throwing out Gossman and going against Valdez. And it looks like the Giants are getting favored on the money line here. Getting a lot of steam their way. You think San Francisco pulls this one off tonight?
6: Yeah, Gossman uh, needs a bounce back game. He, He didn't look good his last start but he's been really good overall this year. Um, You know, Interesting matchup. I mean, a couple of teams right now leading their division in the West look like they're going to both be in the playoffs. Uh, Dusty Baker managing the Astros back in San Francisco, where he was beloved as a manager back in the Barry Bonds days. Um, You know, I I like, you know, Brandon Crawford, I I should also add, just came back uh, yesterday. He was activated. He he was out for eight days with an oblique issue. Um, He's back now. Uh, also, that's a good pitcher's park. Astros have some pretty good hitters in that lineup, but um, you know it's not the easiest place to hit. So I like the Giants. And um, also, real quick, I know you're on short on time. Also, how about a shout-out to the Blue Jays finally playing at home in Toronto tonight for the mm-hmm. first time in 670 days. To me, despite all the trades, that's as cool a story tonight as we have going.
4: Absolutely. A lot of fun things happening throughout baseball tonight. and That's certainly yeah. one of them. And Scott, we appreciate the analysis and insight. Awesome to talk to you, especially on a day like today. That's been crazier than most days in recent history in terms of baseball. So we appreciate you making some time. We'll look forward to catching up again, Scott.
6: You got it, Danny. Take care. Thank you
4: scott miller ladies and gentlemen you could follow him on twitter at scott miller bbl also you can listen to him sirius xm mlb network radio and Bally sports where he's a contributor for the san diego padres man knows his baseball and we're looking forward to a night of baseball if you missed it earlier a couple of plays on the diamond tonight and one a little bit longer term into the future but uh, the a's and angels going back to that matchup, had a couple of dubs in that one last night Tonight we're rolling with the first five innings, under four and a half runs, minus the buck 20 between the Athletics and Angels. And then Patrick Sandoval, he's pitching for the Angels, under seven and a half strikeouts, minus 150. He's gotten three and four respectively in two starts against the A's. Looking for him to stay under 7.5 again. Like you saw, the White Sox 3-1 to, to win the pennant. Getting the best number now while you still can. Exciting day in baseball. We thank you for being with us. Best of luck with your wagers. Enjoy your weekend. We'll catch up again on Monday from all of us here at VEASAN Esports Betting Network.
2: Zumo Play.